This is uh, Slough Fag Radio, episode twelve. Man, I was lying on the floor. I just okay. I didn't. I didn't know we were we were up yet. My God, episode There's twelve. Ennio Marconi there. Yeah, he uh, recently passed away. Yeah, yeah, um, this is. Uh, I want to kind of you know dedicate this episode to him because he was. Uh, he did a lot of stuff. Dude was born nineteen twenty eight. Ninety two years 92, old. Yeah. He was, years he old. was a true original, that guy. He was totally, no he was quite like him. He was the biggest uh, selling uh, record artist when uh, The Good, Bad, and the Ugly came out with the Clint Eastwood back in the day. He was the biggest selling artist that year because so many people bought Where? that soundtrack. Uh, I think in, Europe, no. a, in yeah. Europe and America. Wait, was that early 70s or late 60s? No, that was 60s. Good, Bad, and the Ugly. That, was he, that year he sold more than yeah, anybody he else. Yeah, really? he sold more than Elvis. And Beatles, I guess everything. Yeah. That's he, yeah, that's I know, hard right? To believe, man. It's crazy. Yeah, but uh, I guess international. Well, no, still, it seems that still seems bizarre. Yeah. He uh, he also did um, the soundtrack for The Exorcist. Yeah, yeah. The Exorcist, yeah. Uh, the Thing. Did not know that. And then uh, and and as a metal crossover item, he did the soundtrack for Red Sonia. Oh yeah, with, uh, with uh, Arnold and uh, and, <laughs> yeah, and Bridget Nielsen. Yes, I saw that. Yeah, that's yeah, that was cool. Yeah, you know, yeah, yeah. it's metal crossover for you. Yeah, I this, guess so. Yeah. The song we played there, I think, was pretty metal. It's called uh, the the Vice of Killing. The uh, Vice of Killing. That was the name of the song that we just heard from. Any I wonder Morricone. what that means. Like, does it mean that killing is a vice, like you shouldn't do it? Or that, like, the vice, like, you know, you're just you're tightening vice, up the, kill it. Yeah. the death. I don't know which one. Yeah, tightening one. up the death. I mean, which which permutation of that term, which modality of the term vice is yeah. it? Although it's yeah, the same. The, the vice of killing. I, thought I mean, I it actually that. is the same. It's just one's metaphorical and one wouldn't be, I guess, right? A vice is sort of like a vice, you know. Yeah. This is... Um, that was performed by uh, that was an Ennio Morricone uh, song performed by Leroy Holmes and his orchestra from the soundtrack uh, for a few dollars more. This is on the United Artists label. This is um, United Artists UAS six six zero eight. It's a high fidelity um, twelve inch here. But uh, one other cool Ennio Morricone. Another factoid. Yeah, in the 40s, when he was coming up in the world, yes. he was his job was an arranger at a RCA Records. Right in the 40s, yeah, uh, yeah, 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 yeah. So, but he was he was arranging music in the well, 40s that makes sense for RCA. That's that that makes a lot of sense, right? Because his cool? arrangement is sort of his. I mean, the kind of stuff he's doing, you know. Yeah, that was that was like, you know, because there used to be there used to be the the songwriter. There used to be the arranger, yeah, and then yeah. there was actually the artist who performed the song. There yes. were three different people. So, was any? Did he live here or in Italy? Uh, he lived in New York. Okay, that's not. He again, lived in New York. That's also he not surprising. Apparently, no. he uh, he never really wanted to live in Hollywood because. But was he from Italy originally? Uh, I think he was from Italy I think originally, he was. but I think he spent he most of his time in New York. Uh, got married, had kids, and stuff like yeah, that. Yeah. But. Um, yeah, he uh, passed away, and uh, you know, hope he's uh, I hope he's listening from the other side of the river. <laughs> the other side, yes, I hope so. So, well, what else we got? Yeah, for we us got a lot today? of stuff coming up today. Here we have a band, well, a, a thrash band that doesn't get a lot. A German thrash band that does not get a lot of uh, uh, press. Uh, pr I don't know if press is the right word for it. Does, it. does get a lot of recognition in America, but artillery. 
It was an old, I think they were, yeah, they were around in the 80s. They were, they were a, like a classic thrash band that stood out to me. Uh, not in the 80s. I didn't know about them in the 80s. I didn't know about them until the 90s. I, I first learned about them at Wacken uh, 1999, I think, is German festival. When I saw them playing, uh, and they, I had heard about them before that, but when I saw them live, I was really struck. And I'm not a big thrash guy, but man, they were doing it right. And the cool thing is they didn't look like a thrash band. You know, imagine your thrash band, big white sneakers and uh, like shades on the on the top of their heads. You know, you know. Like <laughs> yeah, that's how I imagine thrash ridiculous bands. Ridiculous, yeah, don't you? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, and a leather jacket, and you know, that's how I imagine. You know, blue jeans um, with holes in them. Uh, but no, nothing like that at all. They were very Germanic. They they had. They look like a SWAT team, literally. They were trying to, like, they look like they had flak jackets on. I don't think they did, but they were wearing, they were all wearing identical uh, uh, black baseball hats. I know that doesn't sound, but they had short hair, black baseball hats with nothing on them, and, like, they look like cops or, or, or uh, uh, SWAT team. And, like, special forces straight, yeah, like, long-sleeved, like, black, r- really thick-looking, you know, sort There's of Something like, to be like said for uniforms. They, and, the, and, you know, the, the cargo pants, but they looked really... Uh, Really cool, <laughs> and the cargo pants. Well, yeah. that's it. No, but the car like black cargo pants. They looked like very military, and they sounded incredible, like really militant, really like super mega uh, uh, technical thrash. And then there's Voivod, right? This is Angelo sent us some. Uh, yeah, we got another um, episode of the Tringali tirade uh, yes. coming up here. We're gonna we're gonna talk to him later, but uh, let's just get into that artillery right now. Oh yeah, yeah. Let's do that. Yeah.
back memories for me boy from the early days of Slough in San Francisco uh, Justin Phelps our old bass player and engineer now uh, was his favorite band was Voivod um, in the early 90s and they became maybe my favorite band of the 90s in, I'm not even that big of a I like Voivod but a lot actually but since I like about two 90s bands you know like <laughs> Voivod's definitely one of them Top of my list, man. This is off of the uh, Dimension... Hatros. Hatros. Yeah, that album, album we used to put on. We used to do a lot of acid back then and, and drink 40 ounces and listen to that record uh, in Justin's house because uh, I had not heard it until I met him. 
And man, that was a powerful song uh, when you're, you know, quite young at three in the morning. And, and man, it was. I remember really liking that riff. And uh, everyone I know who saw Voivod live around that time was completely blown away. People had never heard of them. Uh, they did a tour either, nine, I think it was in 1990, it was Soundgarden, right as they were getting really big, before they got huge. Yeah, I remember that tour. that tour. Yeah. yeah. Soundgarden, Voivod, and who, there was a third band um, who was, who became either, it wasn't Jane's Addiction, but it was someone like that, some really big up and It was coming. another one of those Pacific Northwest um, yeah, bands. Yeah, I guess. Because they're, well, the, the Voivod's, obviously, they're Canadian, but they're, uh, they're probably from that area, they're probably from Vancouver, Vancouver or I something, think. I'm I don't not know. sure. And maybe not now. Maybe they're from Toronto. I don't know. I don't actually know. Uh, but but um, yeah, it was that that tour apparently was incredible. Like everybody was like blown away. It was such a and, it, and it, you know what sucked about that is that it was 1990. Maybe it went into 91. I don't remember. But it was very very early 90s. Definitely uh, 90 or 91. And people were getting because of that tour. People were like Soundgarden, Voivod. I remember a friend of mine came back from it going, Oh my God, Voivod. I'd never heard of them. They're so great. And Soundgarden was awesome. There was this great ray of hope at that moment for what the 90s might be like as far as like hard rock goes. <laughs> and, and look what happened. I mean, it just right? before everything just went to shit. You know, it, it was like then suddenly Nirvana and Pearl Jam were the biggest bands in the world less than a year later. And then it went to way more downhill from there. A big U-turn. Yeah. Oh, God. But I remember that being, pr I moved out here in 90 and it was like, Soundgarden thinking you were going to be the next Soundgarden? New, well, yeah, these, yeah, these <laughs> new exciting bands. I had heard of Soundgarden right before I left. And I heard of Voivod, too, actually, years before, in the, in the late 80s. But, um, yeah, it seemed like, oh, wow, maybe there's promise. Maybe the 90s are going to be really awesome because you have this new sort of hard rock scene. Yes, happening mostly in the Pacific Northwest. And then, bleh, and Pearl, all of a sudden, Eddie Vedder became the big rock star, and it all just went to, it all flatlined. The Flatliners. This came out in 1988 on the yeah. Noise International label. It says here that it was um, mixed and recorded in West Berlin at uh, oh Music Lab. Yeah, Music Lab is a very famous studio. It's recorded in 1987 and released 1988. Yeah. This is um, catalog number FW44262. So they did that Pretty one. Cool stuff. Then they did Nothing Face, which we had listened to at the around that same period, around 1990, 91, constantly. Even more than that, Nothing Face was the big one. And then, man, that's a good record, too. I really, oh, man, it was so much fun listening to Voivod back then. And, uh, I, and it's kind of funny. You wouldn't think that Slaufeg was influenced by Voivod, but we really were in 90, 90, uh, around 90 and 91 because Justin was – Obsessed with Voivod. He was into it. And he, he wrote a few riffs, like Great Ice War, some of that stuff. And I remember that particular riff, we just meshed that. Da -na 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 -na. You know, I was really inspired by that riff. I remember writing stuff, trying to make it sound like that riff, uh, particularly. And I don't know, you know, it didn't, you can't really tell, I guess, but there was, you know. So there's a lot of that going on. All right, so we're going to make a little bit of a left turn here. Yes. And we're going to go into a local band uh, segment. Uh, Mike, why don't you tell yeah, us about uh, what we're going to hear? Um, this is a weird name, but uh, I uh, worked until recently at a nightclub where <laughs> I uh, booked a few bands. And I got wind of this band called Sid Luscious that is an authentic new wave band in that 
1984, uh, under a different name, which I don't, or was it Sid Luscious? I don't remember. But there was a the the guy the the guy who calls himself Sid Luscious, the leader of this band, who's it's a great name, even older than I am, um, was in a new wave band in 1984 with I think the drummer of the band too, uh, and they got their they got some of their songs and got back together in about 2000 and two or four this album came out in 2004 uh this album called lifestyle they wait what band was he in sid i i don't remember whether the original band was actually called sid luscious or not oh, i don't okay. think it was i think they read i'm not i think it might i can't remember <laughs> i don't know but anyway it was a local band and they've done and uh, they're, they're the only authentic new wave band around here now there are some hipstery kind of like oh we're gonna start to sound like new wave but no one does it right, right. these guys do it right. They sound like a real new wave band because they were a new wave band in 1984. You know, they've they've opened for like uh, uh, like Naked Eyes or something. Uh, you <laughs> know, <laughs> recently, you know, when those yeah. bands come back and do reunion tours, they've done a few. But basically, they just play little bars like Lucky Horseshoe where I work, and they blew me away because they were so authentic, right down to the the guy, the way the guy dressed, the way he moved, everything. They sound like Oingo Boingo. They sound like Duran Duran. They are absolutely authentic, even though there's. People like in their twenties and they're probably thirties playing keyboards and all that, but they're, they're really they're really special. I really love this band, Sid Luscious in the, in the Pants. Uh, and then you're gonna do some local band too, right? Yeah, we're gonna do another local band um, here. This is uh, we're gonna play a band called Disney Princess, where um, where Slaufeg rehearses in San Francisco is a uh, a large building with uh, probably maybe 40 or 50 rooms that's all filled with bands and stuff. And uh, we're going to be trying to make a compilation album pretty soon with a bunch of the bands that are here because during this, uh, you know, corona crisis and stuff, nobody has gigs or anything, so we're going to put out a compilation album. So stay tuned for that. This uh, band's going to be called Disney Princess. But um, an eclectic mix, too, right? Yeah, very eclectic. Uh, the song we're going to be playing is called Plebe. But um, this uh, this Sid Luscious though. Yeah, it's called Lifestyle Magazine Lifestyle. The, the song by Sid Luscious. Lifestyle Holy cow, lifestyle. folks! Get a load of this. Check it out. Danny Elfman must have been involved somehow. <laughs>
jump in. All right, jump on in. That was uh, that was Disney Princess with a uh, song called Plebe. It's on. Uh, plebe. Plebe. Is it like plebe, like plebeian? I think so. Yeah. It's yeah, on a yeah. it's on a pretty cool like neon yellow uh, vinyl. Neon, neon. It's a seven inch. It um, doesn't really have any uh, record label. It says it's recorded. Probably C- DIY. Slurry Hole Studios. <laughs> it's one of those DIY records, you know. Where so, people uh, cut it themselves. Cutting it. So they on the on the line here it, today, man. we have a, yet another edition of the Tringali tirade. We have Angelo Tringali on the uh, on the uh, smart telephone, um, speaking on the on the what's up. Uh, how you doing, Angelo? I am quite well. How are you guys doing this evening? Okay. We're moving right along. Uh, I've been meaning right to re- ask you how many records have you cut with uh, with uh, the Tomb Weavers? <laughs> I'm just the Tomb Weavers. The Tomb Weavers have five forty-fives out and a full-length record. I'm just fascinated. I just so almost utilize, six o'clock. I just want to utilize the, the, the term "cut" because no one really says that anymore. Yeah, we cut a record. Cut. Okay. Yeah, the Tomb Weavers have cut five forty-fives yeah. and we cut one full LP. How many cuts are okay. on that full LP? Uh, the album has twelve cuts. Twelve cuts. <laughs> if yeah. no one says tracks now, they don't say cuts. You know. So if he has five forty, way cooler. Remember yes. we were talking about the death metal bands when they're all like, they're all like, this track is off our latest demo, you know? Well, it'd be <laughs> yeah, like, right. This cut. No one says that, <laughs> but it's much more death metal to talk about cuts because like the guys, you know. They well, of course. Yeah, you know, it's it's sharper. Like, it's cutting. Yeah, it's, yeah. it's 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 evil. There's no, blood involved with cuts. I think it's fun when the death metal <laughs> right. guys. Like, they finish doing their songs, like, yeah, yeah, yeah. And then they go, all right, so this n- next track is off of our album called Tissues, British Nightmare. We already had this conversation. Oh, uh, yeah. Where I said that uh, yeah. do the whole thing sometimes, going, this next cut. You know, that, that was a lot of episodes ago, man. I know. No, no. I mean, I'm, yes, I, I'm cognizant of the uh, absurdity of it all. By the way, we're drinking, okay, a, a fun little factoid about local brewing. Uh, since for some strange reason I've been put in the in the local brewing um, uh, world uh, by working in a brewery, right? And, and um, did you know that Anchor Steam beer? Well, it, you know, obviously it's an old uh, San Francisco beer, but uh, have you ever heard of just is steam beer is a style of brewing? I yes, guess. I have heard this. And does it because this tastes really strange out of a can? We just noticed Anchor Steam. It tastes skunky and bizarre out of a can. I've never seen it in a can before. Um, but uh, I thought you were going to say something. But is this steam beer or is it Anchor Steam just the name of the company? I think it is steam beer. It's the okay. steam process. Okay. I, I don't know a lot about it, but uh, near in actually right near my apartment, yeah. there's a building that has um, uh, a facade that was recently they were uh, they were repainting it or something. So they stripped away some of the old paint and underneath it was this really awesome oh. advertisement for steam beer. Okay. It was imported steam beer from I think um, I think it was from like Wisconsin. Oh really? So it's not unique to this? No, no, beer. not at all. But I th- it was a steam beer from Wisconsin that uh, had a giant advertisement on the side of this building well, near my apartment. You don't hear about steam beers anymore besides Anger Steam Beer. Have, is, there, is there any other steam uh, Once beer? in a while, yeah. Once in a while, right. if you go, maybe you don't hang out at the craft beer uh, well, no, bars. I mean, that's, I'm, sure, I'm sure they're making it now, like the craft beer S- place. Steam going, oh, beers, no, we're yeah. Gonna do it. But like, 
you know, nationally or, or for the last 10 years or whatever, you don't really hear much about steam beer. No, I, I don't really hear about but it. I, but re- the, the, the interesting part for me is I think, I see, I, for some reason I thought it was unique to this or that it started here only because I was reading Jack, uh, Jack London uh, and he was talking about steam beer and how it got him really drunk. And uh, <laughs> Well, do you ever read John Barleycorn? No. That's, that's, that's something you must read. Everyone must. Any, anybody who drinks anything must read John Barleycorn. Of course, that's Jack London's alcoholic memoirs that were pu- was published in 1913. And I, I recently read it, COVID reading. You know, I recently right. read it, reread it, because I, uh, I read it a long time, like uh, maybe 20, 30 years ago. And I reread it, and it was, it's, I mean, Jack London's such an incredible uh, author, and I hadn't read him in a long time. But yeah, he's referring to steam beer and how, you know, drinking beer at bars in, in the Bay Area in uh, the late 18, uh, in the late 1890s and stuff like that. And all the different kind of beers they had, and I just was very curious about that. Like, what do they taste like? I wonder what. Yeah, you know, I wonder if beer tasted like this, like craft beer back then, or if it tasted like crappy Budweiser, Rolling Rock. You know, I don't know. You know, this beer's been around for centuries, man. I'm well, sure I'm it's gone through. I'm sure it's gone through so many phases. You know. Permutation. Yes, that's my word of the day. Yeah. Permutation. Sorry. Yeah. So hey, um, Angelo. Yes. Um, you're gonna tell us about uh, this next cut. We're gonna play off of this. Uh, this 12-inch in an Enigma label? Okay. It's a, it's a test pressing that I gave you for the second Sacrifice album called Forward Determination. Um, they were a Canadian band. They were, they were teenagers, I believe. Um, they used to play with you know other uh, bands from Canada. like uh, They were from Canada. Oh, yeah, they play with other thing? bands like Razor and stuff like that. So, And they were pretty badass. I uh, dug the shit out of them as a kid, and I think the song is pretty cool. Is your theme of the day like Canadian bands or something? Because you just had us play Voivod, and now you got, or no? Oh, I didn't even I didn't even trip on that. To be totally honest with you, no. Because really? I was no. looking forward to maybe hearing some Rick Emmett, some Triumph, or some. Oh, I have lots of Triumph. Uh, well, Adrian has the Triumph album. I got all Brian that Adams, stuff. Uh, uh, you know, Sweeney yeah, Todd, yeah. you know, his old band. Yeah. Did you remember hearing about Sacrifice back in the day, Mike? No, yeah, I. I you know what? I have no idea. Cause I, how, would I, how would I remember <laughs> yeah. a metal band called Sacrifice, whether I'd heard of them or not? Could you really know whether you heard of that? Well, I mean, sure. <laughs> yeah. I think I have, but I doubt it's true. I mean, I, well, I, none of your none of your friends listen to those guys. Yeah, you I don't. don't uh, have... But I know I wouldn't remember if they said, "Hey, Sacrifice." There's this metal band. I, it would because it just sounds like something. Wow. You know what I mean? It sounds like something that you would like a metal band, and it sounds like a metal band that you might not remember too. I mean, huh. Well, anyway, <laughs> I did, and I liked yeah, them. No, so. <laughs> I'm sure they were great. I'm not saying anything about that. I'm just saying it sounds like one of those names you might have heard of, and then it went in one ear and out the other. You know what I mean? Right, right. Well, let's make it stick this let's time make around. Make it stick this time, man. What's the name of this song? Hell yeah, uh, man. What's the this name song of this song? is called. Um, that song is called Reanimation. All right, what's Reanimation. What's the record called again? Forward Determination. Man, that's almost as bad as as uh, Initial Velocity. You know? Mandator, right? Yeah, I know. You know I know. I'm sure it's right up your alley. But that's, alley, you know, right? that's back in them days. It's but it's a killer track, track, so. All right, sacrifice. Here we go.
Okay, so that was pretty cool, Angelo, Angelo this uh, sacrifice. Oh, yeah. What year was that, you said? That was uh, 1987, I believe. Uh, 1987 was a good year. Oh, it was definitely a good year. A good year. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, it was uh, a great year for those thrash records. So now we have yeah, this. Um, good year overall. So tell me a little bit about this uh, Bonsai Axe compilation that we're going to uh, play a couple tracks off of. Um, it's a compilation that came out probably, I don't know, 84, 85, and just, just like some budget compilation, and uh, it comes with an extra EP, right, with uh, an Omen song, and... Yeah, it says bonus EP inside. That's pretty Yeah, related, yeah, like yeah. Bonsai Axe. That's all I really know about it, you know? I think Bonsai had some kind of weird affiliation with Metal Blade for some short time. I think they were involved with um, like releasing a Trouble album and uh, some other stuff, maybe a Bitch album. I'm not too sure. But, looks, looks like they know. were a subsidiary of Polygram. Oh, is that what it says on that? Who knows? Maybe they had like some some distribution by Polygram back in those days for that compilation. I don't know. Yeah, it looks like. Um, it's but it's got a, it's got an awesome record cover though, right? Yeah, it's uh, definitely a samurai guy with an axe. Uh, it, it's exactly what you think of when you right. say bonsai. Oh, totally. Yeah, there's some good songs on there, though. The Venom song is awesome. There's Trouble. Um, the Raven song really kicks ass. What Venom songs on there? Yeah, there's good stuff on there. Yeah, well, Venom, uh, what is it, Rip Ride? Oh, Rip Ride? Oh, yeah. All right, well, let's listen to yeah, some Rip Ride.
right, some trouble. That was quite a different experience from that time we played with them. Yeah, it was a couple of years ago. That was oh, a uh, yeah, a completely like different ten, band. Ten the Tempter. More like I think when we played with them, it, more than ten years ago actually, but still, yeah. Man. Yeah, the version of Trouble that we played with was, was pretty, uh, uh, a joke compared to yeah, what the band used a, to be. Much, yeah. Yo, they had that clown, that, that Corey Clark guy from uh, yeah, Warrior Soul on vocals yeah, back then. Yeah, yeah like, that guy used to do like all those like lame-ass karate kicks and, you know, like these, like, like he'd like jump in the air and twirl oh, around. And it was insane. Go, what a clown. Who was that guy? Total clown. Wait, no, who was, Corey who, Clark, he's, he was in that band called Warrior Soul. Okay. Okay. A total okay. jerk. Yeah. You, you remember Warrior Soul from the 80s? No. They were just some lame ass bands. No idea. Not forgetful. Forget, uh, forgettable. Um, yeah. Is that yeah. one of the Ale Horn of Powers we did? We played yeah, with them? Yeah. Uh, yeah okay. okay. We, it was kind of sad because, well, I mean, it wasn't for us because we did great and then they played and, and right. kind of cleared right. the room. <laughs> really? We kind of got the good. The good uh, crowd there, and they kind of oh, because they played like yeah. right after us. They played very last, right? Yeah, they played right after us, and it was just the like, headline. Yeah, and it just—I mean, at that point, it, it wasn't—you know—it was just the two guitar players from Trouble and all new people, and it's just—you know—it's kind of sad. Didn't work out so well. Yeah. Do they uh, still play? Uh, yeah, they do. They do, and the singer uh, Eric uh, has his own band called The Skull, which is pretty cool. Oh. They do trouble songs too. They're really good. The Skull is really awesome. Right. I thought the Skull was like a punk band from like the eighties. Oh, there's like, dude, there's there's also Skull from the, a metal band from the eighties. Just oh. Skull, not the Skull. Right, right, right. Future Skulls, which is Josh Smith's band. Well, you know, you know, homeboy from Witch Mountain, the guitar player, he's in the Skull. Wait, wait, what? Oh, wait. He is. Wait, you mean? Wait, uh, the guitar player from Witch Mountain Rob? is also in the Skull. Yeah. Rob, yeah. Rob. Oh, okay. With the guy who was just on that trouble. So, yeah, okay. With uh, the old trouble singer, yeah. Eric, yeah. And that guy lives where? Oh, yeah. In the Pacific Northwest? Who? Where does he live? Who? Where does who live? Yeah, with a guy that's singer for trouble. Um, I think he, well, he's from Chicago, but I, yeah, I yeah, think but he lives in Pennsylvania now or something oh, like that. So I'm not like sure. One of those weird itinerant bands that somehow exist but don't exist. Oh, yeah. Back yeah, to Pennsylvania. yeah. Yeah, back to Pennsylvania. I have a real prejudice against that, man. I, I uh, bands that live all over different places, unless you're gigantic and can practice together all the time and have jets. You can, yeah. It, yeah. It isn't, uh, I don't know what the hell's up with it. How do you write songs when? How do you write songs with someone who's living like, in like you know, like Sweden or whatever? Dude, oh, you just send them files, bro. Yeah, like, that's what I've been trying to do during this whole quarantine, and it sucks, man. Yeah, it does suck. It doesn't work. Yeah. You yeah. Uh, yeah. Feel in the vibe. You know, I, I think I think a lot of bands would probably. I mean, they might do it that way, or they might just you know, two or three guys just have their own ideas, and then when it's time to you know put together a record, they actually physically get together and and work on their you know whatever ideas they have. I think they just. Send each yeah. other yeah, files. Yeah, I'm gonna send you some files, man. And then they make, and then that's why the songs all suck, and that's why everything sounds so bland because yeah. you can't arrange anything and really like when I come up with a riff, and or I come up with two or three, you know, if I come up with some semblance of a song, and I go yeah, and then I play it by myself, even if I had like a drum machine or something, you know, and then I come down to this room and play it with you guys, inevitably it is 
got to change. It sounds utterly different. Dude, the magic doesn't happen Dude, over the, the internet. The magic doesn't happen that yeah, way. It doesn't happen yeah, over doesn't. the internet. You no, can't, no, you can't no, send the magic no. in an email. No, you no. can't. You can't. It just the doesn't magic work. does not travel well. No. <laughs> it does not. The magic is confined. No, man. You come into the room. You got the other. You got the cats. You know. <laughs> you got the. <laughs> and you, everybody interprets it differently. The drums. Oh my God. Forget it. You play with drums it, compared to how it sounds with the guitar riff. I don't know. You put your little drum programming. It doesn't do shit. Like you got to really. You know. You got to really nail it, man. With you know. It just. It sounds so much different as far as a. Imagine if I wrote songs, and was like, I'm gonna arrange these in my apartment by myself, even if I'm recording them. On Pro Tools with like drum machines, it's yeah. no. I'd come down here and be like, "Whoa!" whoa and you guys would be like, "That sucks," and you, that'd be the end of that. You know? Cutting floor, man. All right. Cutting floor material. Yeah. Cutting right. floor material. Well, right so, now, Angelo, that was uh, that was pretty cool. I gotta say, um, I went to Angelo's yes. apartment for the first time the other day. Like, let's broadcast the wild weekend. And. Uh, you know, I was very impressed. I opened the door to Angelo's refrigerator. There was three different types of beer, six packs of beer, and a loaf of bread, and I was like, yeah. "If that's not rock and roll, that's I don't bad. know what is." You know, that's 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 how it is, man. Yeah. The fridge is full of beer, man. Yeah. No Jack Daniels. No, yeah, no. Uh, no three no, three no. six packs of beer and a no loaf of bread to soak it up. Just all. What kind of beer was it? And and don't forget some coffee too. Always have to have coffee. It better not be some. What kind? Of, it better be some some pretty you know some pretty tight ass like. You know, yeah, you have some Firestone in there. Firestone? Yeah, Firestone's That's good. Kind of I have Firestone, I have Guinness, and I have um, this brown bad. ale that I get at uh, BevMo that I really like. Yeah, I can't remember what it's ale. called. It could, be, it could go either way. I don't know. What the hell's Firestone? Um, Firestone it sounds manly, but... I have the Firestone DBA, and the brown ale that I have is Maduro. Ah, Maduro. It's really good, I think. Sounds yeah, like I like cigar, it. cigar, man. And always Guinness, and you know, yeah, just yeah, that's my fridge, man. Beer. It's okay. an honest fridge, man. It's yeah. an honest fridge, an honest lifestyle. The all American way. You that's know, right. and it was, it was really, I was, I was very, very touched. Adrian just simply walked into my house and walked straight to the refrigerator and opened it and looked. You were touched by that. He didn't sit down. He didn't ask me how I was. He just waltzed right on in and went straight to that the refrigerator. Sounds about right. Yeah, it sounds about right to me. Been wondering yeah. what that looks yeah, like. My yeah, whole yeah, life, man. Yeah, well, he's a refrigerator, really? You've been yeah. wondering about his... You were th just thinking maybe there were, like, some severed, like, arms in there or something? Is I don't it, know. What yeah. if going to be in there, man? Skeletons in the refrigerator, maybe? <laughs> Who yeah. knows? Yeah, then he, then, he also, then he also checked to see how, how, how uh, clean I kept my restroom. That was another thing. Yeah, he just well, kind of, like, topped his head in and, you know... That's important. That's important. Who the hell has a restroom in their house? I don't really call it that in my baño. house. Baño. We call it baño yeah, in my house. house. Uh, whatever, you know, I call it the restroom. But needless to say, at my house, I try to keep as clean as possible, and I think Adrian approved of my cleanliness. Oh, I'm Big time. Glad. Yeah, I'm glad. Okay. Big yeah. Um, but so yeah. you had a wild weekend, and, you know, the lo the, the Slaufeg lost weekend in Monterey. Lost weekend <laughs> in Monterey. <laughs> I, I, I thought we had a great time. I, I took Adrian and his girlfriend on a, a, the, the Quarry Park Trail, and I, I think they liked it. The Quarry Clark Trail. I thought it was really cool. What, what yeah, yeah. <laughs> Wasn't that the guy's name you were just talking about? Oh, that was Corey Clark. I took yeah. that on Quarry Park. <laughs> Quarry Clark wow. Trail. Yeah. What a trip. Oh, isn't that wild? Yeah. <laughs> Okay. I don't know, Adrian. Why, why don't you Why don't you tell everybody how much fun you had at Monterey? Actually, we went drinking the night before. That was pretty cool too. You went, you went out and drank beer, like the two of you. Three of oh, us. Oh man, 
That's why. MRE, yeah. yeah. The three of us met up, and, uh, you know, we went down to the uh, the London Bridge Pub at the Wharf. Woo! Ow! That yeah, man. Last weekend, man. Tearing it up, the man. London yeah. Bridge Pub, man. Hey, that was nuts. Hey, it was yeah, we drank, absolutely insane. We drank till like 10 I don't know, p.m. Adrian, do you have, have, any, do you have any memories of, of your weekend here in Monterey? Pub, man, we don't need to hear about this. I'm sure there were lots of off-color jokes that night. Crazy. Oh, my God. Holy hell. Yeah, okay. Sure, it was real wild. Speaking of yeah. off-color jokes. <laughs> what? Yeah. We have some uh, listener feedback. About oh. what? Wait, 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 wait. About that song we played last week by uh, no, we have some. No, uh, we have some listener feedback Is it an off-color here. joke? Speaking of uh, off-color jokes, uh, Spencer Marino is a uh, uh, long-time listener, oh, yeah, long-time he caller. He had a couple... Yeah, he uh, off-color jokes. I was thinking Karmakazi is some sort of riff on the off-color joke, right? What? He says... Um, karma, karma, he sa- karma, Kazi. He, he says Karmakazi yeah. is one of my favorite Slaufeg songs. That's pretty sad, but, you know. The building cadence of the music and fantastic imagery in the lyrics are just awesome. While you're <laughs> flogging an alien corpse as I witness this mockery. Oh, God. What is the inspiration for such a vivid song? Was there a book or a movie that the song is referencing, or is this out of your own imagination? He would like to know the Karmakazi story. Mike? I don't know, man. I, hey, look, I, I'm glad he's enjoying it. Uh, the Hard World of Record, there's a lot of people who seem to... Uh, I have a very strange relationship with that record, and that song particularly, Karmakazi. You know, I was just think, thinking Boy George meets... Uh, uh, bonsai, uh, you know, Bushido code, or whatever. I don't know. What? Didn't Boy George used to wear a kimono on stage? I, I mean, uh, he did. Uh, yeah. So there you go. Karma Kazi, Karma Chameleon, Karma. You know. I whatever. have it. Yeah. 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 But uh, you know, why that is song it took that? forever to write. It was. It was like pulling teeth. Yeah, it was like pulling teeth writing that song. What a nightmare. Um, yeah, but, we could know, never. We could never figure out like where to go with the harmonies and no. when to stop and. You know, it was just—it became very really disillusioning right after a while. But never really at the end of the day, I like the song, but I—I yeah. I, I remember it being very, very difficult to work with. Well, I don't want to be a disappointment to people, you know, to, to fans, to pit, to, to, to sure. Uh, you know, I mean, but uh, to say I'm glad that something that that I was like, oh, we didn't really get that right. Oh, it was always kind of like that someone thought it was really good, that they thought it was vivid, because I thought it was rather vague, honestly. But hey, great. What do I know? You know, I'm glad to hear. What was the inspiration? What was the inspiration? Well, that's the whole point. Is I never was really inspired when I wrote that song. That was not an inspired song. So, so um, I I was like more like trying to. Well, not everything has to be inspired in the sense that you know, I'm sure. Okay, technically, were we inspired? We're writing that song with Ruben. I remember that Uh, Antoine Ruben Diabello was playing drums on Hard Worlder, and we. We were. It took a long time. Yeah, it was hell getting it finished. But I re- one thing I remember about it is there's a riff in there that sounds exactly like the safety dance. What? What do you what? Oh, yeah. You played it yourself. Yeah. You go, now, 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 I haven't played now, that song for like 20 now, years. The safety dance. Yeah. Um, well, well, we'll we'll point that riff out when we play. You know, it, it, it sounds. But you like know what? That was like that was one of those songs that we had to finish because it was the last song we were writing for that record, right? Yeah. Yeah. Um, so and I think we were, we were like overthinking it to death. Is what oh, we were, we're doing. Overthinking it to death. It probably should be shorter. But okay, I, I, yeah, I feel bad. Oh, absolutely, yeah. About that song. Yeah. No, I mean it, it, the lyrics. Karmakazi means. 
uh, the ultimate example of, not that I believe in karma, I think it's the nonsense, uh, or at least the idea of karma that we have in uh, California particularly is a bunch of bullshit, but, but the idea of you reap what you sow, which I totally don't believe, but uh, karma, you know, doesn't really mean that anyway. This means like something like the summation of your actions or whatever the damn Sanskrit root is. I can't remember. But uh, the idea that the, the idea that Americans have that it's about you reap what you sow, which is obviously a very Christian idea. Um, karmakazi, meaning you're basically, you know, you're basically committing suicide. <laughs> you're basically on a suicide trip for karma. Oh, and like a, like a kamikaze, but a karmakazi. Yeah, oh. man. Yeah. You didn't get that? No, I never you knew that. You seriously did. Oh, hold on, hold on, Adrian. You never, you, you, you never got that? <laughs> no, I never got that. Dude, you've been you smoking too me? much After dank, all these years, man. You didn't know that? You've been toting too many J's to practice, man. <laughs> Damn. Wow. Man. Hey, I mean, that was like so dank legs over painfully here. obvious. Yeah, it's kind of painfully <laughs> obvious. Yeah. It just shows to go wow. that you can never, yeah. you can never know everything you can about be all these songs. Completely out of your mind, brain dead, and still play all the songs. Yeah, <laughs> from just too much dank, man. Uh, but anyway, too much dank. Too yeah. Much dank, oh, yeah. Man, yeah, yeah. Not enough dank. I, I, don't, I don't even. Dead. I don't even know if I have any recollection how to play those riffs. Oh man, we could play. It. Oh well, yeah, I don't either. But but okay, the song. Yeah, but is somehow about, you remember what it's about. The though. song yeah. is about. I hate to admit it because I don't get political in many of my songs, but a lot of those images, a lot of those lyrics that bring up images are about. There's about war, quite obviously. While you're burning in your trenches, I I think it's about being spoiled, um, and not having to go to war, and it's about being an American. And ha being a spoiled American, and you know, and not appreciating democracy, not not um, uh, taking things for granted, taking rights for granted. Like we got now, we got all these idiots going like, my rights, my rights, my rights. What about my rights? Well, we take democracy for granted completely and totally. You think you don't have to work for it? No, you have to work. You have to maintain a democracy. It's not just handed to you, you know. But us spoiled Americans take it for granted. And so when some of us are sent to war, especially a war that was completely fabricated, the, the basis or the, the reasons we went to war about the time that record came out, the war had been going on for a while in Iraq, um, but it was a completely ridiculous, here I am getting political, I never do this, but uh, completely based on lies, right? Complete bullshit, okay? And so we go over there, and then there's these poor bastards who are sent over there, and then there's people like me who sit back here and say, oh, I'm misunderstood by the world, I'm an artist, Oh, no one, no one appreciates me. And there's guys getting blown up and their guts are hanging out, you know. And they're over there for the wrong reasons. And really, this is why I don't write about politics, because I really don't know what I'm talking about. Uh, musicians are incredibly ill-informed and, you know, non-informed when it comes to politics often. We don't really know what we're talking about, um, except for a few rare exceptions. And they're incredibly boring, because they get all political and, you know, get all high on their horses. So... This is what it's about. A lot of those metaphors in there are about, like it says, you're, while you're burning in your trenches, I dare believe that I'm misunderstood. I'm a misunderstood artist. Okay, what about the tower? Yeah. What about you're sheltered in the tower? Where is the tower? While you're sheltered in the tower. It's like an ivory tower. It's like, you know, the guys who start. It's kind of a, that, that part is just straight up generic, stupid war pigs idea. While you're sheltered in your ivory tower calling the shots, there's people out there bleeding to death, you know. Ah, okay. It's not very original, you know, hmm. but it is... It, Sometimes we have profound thoughts that are not original. During the Iraqi war, you know, during Afghanistan, we're thinking these, like, I'm, I'm meeting people. I had students at the time who had served in those wars who would right. come into my office and say, like, 
you know, oh, yeah, I'm thinking about writing my ethics paper about this. And I'm like, oh, this is a 19-year-old kid, skinny, doesn't, you know, doesn't seem to like know anything at all. I'm like, really? Well, what about? He's like, well, when I was overseas, I noticed that blah, blah, blah. And I'm thinking, well, I was overseas. I guess you're vacationing. And next thing I know, I'm like, well, no, he's talking about being overseas. He, what he means by he's, that is he was at actually war. served like, in well, the and armed this forces. Kid said to me, this skinny little kid who was 19 said, well, when I was overseas, I remember like we weren't actually supposed to shoot at people like civilians and stuff, but everyone did it anyway. You know, even if they had a gun on them and weren't pointing at us, if they had weapons on them, we just shot at them. We just killed them all. And I was like, Oh my God! And this guy's talking from experience. This guy's been out there doing these things, and he's like, "You can't help it." You, you know, these guys look at you, they, they, and if they don't actually shoot at you, they may point a gun your way to do this or do that, and you shoot back. You're not supposed to do it. And I'm like, "God damn! I've never done anything like that." Yeah, and man. He's this 19 year old kid who doesn't know anything who's writing an ethics paper for me to grade, and it's about his experience blowing away people in Iraq. You know, that's intense. It's insane, man. right? And and it's for no good reason either. They're over there because of some bunch of hyped oh, up yeah, weapons of mass destruction, right? Remember those? Yeah, Remember yeah, those? I mean, yeah. So, and so I wrote that song about the whole paradox of the whole thing. Karma Kazi, you know, it's the most, yeah. You tell ah, me. Anyway. And so there you open. have it. Straight from well, there Mike's you go. There is the, the, the story the, of the naivete, uh, the political, <laughs> politically naive uh, um, vantage point of a heavy metal, uh, a heavy metal uh, singer. Uh, well, why don't we take a listen <laughs> yeah. to this Karma Kazi here? This is off of the uh, Iron Codex version of the Hardworlder vinyl. Looks like I have copy number 45 of 525. This is uh, licensed from Cruz del Sur Records. And this is the really nice gatefold. Ver oh, and this one has the comic book in that it. That one is still at the time. Yeah, it has, it has the gully foil. There. Yeah, it's got the gully foil comic book in there. And it also, it's on. Uh, awesome it's James on E. Lyle artwork. You just said that. It's on the um, the Orange Sherbert vinyl. Yeah, man. That, I really love the design. Yeah, that they came out really good. Yeah. Lyle, right? What did you say his name? Uh, did you say it? James E. Lyle? Is that the guy J who did the artwork? Mm. Or he did the layout. No, he did the artwork. Artwork by, it should say on the back of the record, or it should say it somewhere. It says it in here somewhere, man. I'm just going to throw it on. We'll, 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 we'll talk we'll, about that. We'll find like out when we find it. I talked to that guy for a long time about how constipated the guy on the front looked, and we finally got it right. <laughs> no, I mean, look at him. You know, he looks like he's... <laughs> he does look... Well, he's been stuck in a spaceship for the, I mean, the, you know, the gully foil thing. He's been stuck in a spaceship for the last, you know, 30... 30 months or something with eating freeze-dried ice cream. I mean, you'd be pretty, you'd be pretty binded, you know, you'd be pretty bound after that. This even comes with an owner profile card with my name on it. Who made these? Fantastic. I didn't make these. Okay, yeah. Karma Kazi.
Telltale Heart. Good stuff. Yeah. Arthur Brown on vocals, correct? Yeah. I believe so. Arthur Brown on vocals. This is taken Alan off of Parsons. the... Uh, Par- Alan Parsons. Alan Parsons. Alan Parsons Project album, Tales of Mystery and Imagination. It's, um, you know, every time I open this and I listen to it, I always, it kind of reminds me, like, how cool this record is because, um, like, it's just a full package where like listening to it and reading the liner notes and looking at the, 
the pictures and everything. It's got a whole uh, chronology a of Edgar Allan, Poe, Edgar Allan Poe's. Yeah, story. yeah. I mean, it's got really super goth imagery, I think. I mean, it's like, you know, the raven. There's, you know, a woman in a church, mummies and stuff like that. It's fantastic packaging. And for 1976, I mean, this is definitely um, something that... You know, I don't even well, what's remember on, where I first got this. What's on the cover of, of what's on the cover of that version? Because I think there's different, there's alternate covers and, and different. It was packaged differently for for different um, pressings or different record labels or something. Because the one you're talking about is different than the one I have. It's just got a little stripe of like a mountainscape in the middle, but it's mostly just green. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. On 20th Century Records, yeah. 1976, printed in the USA. Right. And, uh, Let's talk more about the packaging. Um, it reminds me of a full package. Hey, I got a package. Store. It's a, no, uh, that song, um, <laughs> uh, uh, that song I heard the first time, Angelo, when you yes. and I were driving back from Petaluma because we played the something theater. What is that place Phoenix called? Phoenix Theater, right? Yeah, that train wreck of a show. Yeah, train wreck of a some god-awful god gig up at the Phoenix Theater. Early shows with there's Harry, kids, Harry there was kids skateboarding in some pools in there or some half ramps or something oh, like yeah, that, right? ridiculous. We drove oh, yeah, the whole way up there for this show that this kid paid a bunch of money and spent a bunch of money. And remember the catering he got backstage? Like, I do. All this food. It was insane. And then, like, yeah, oh, yeah, I do, I do. totally half-assed, yeah. And it was one of Harry's early shows with us. Harry Cameron. Yes. And um, uh, on the wave... No, wait, no, wait, no, wait, no. That's not possible. Wait a second. Now I'm, I'm totally... Con- oh, never on mind. On the way no, to was, the it show. It was Harry. It was Harry. And remember, okay, on the way back from that show, uh, Adrian and Harry were driving in one vehicle, and you or I were in another. Is that true? And you and I were in my truck, yeah, yeah. That saw you had just someone had just given you a CDR of uh, of Alan Parsons of that record. That album, yeah, yeah. A friend yeah. of mine in Germany sent it to me, and you had um, never I had just it. been listening to it, and oh, you had. I um, you, we oh yeah, on. yeah, yeah. And then I played it when we were driving that day, and I noticed that song, uh, Tell right. Heart, and I was like, wait a second, we have to cover this. This is like the perfect yeah. song, you know, because it really did sound like something we would do. And do oh, you yeah. remember what happened after that? No. You don't? It's a long time ago, Your car broke down, Adrian. Oh, yeah, yeah. And Harry was stuck on the highway there for like an hour and a half or something. No, it wasn't that bad. We, um, the timing chain broke on the Golden Gate Bridge. Oh, it was on the bridge. Yeah, and we were able to, um, actually the, the bridge patrol came and, and pushed my car. Yeah. Um, to the other side of the bridge, on, to you. the San Francisco side. <laughs> took you away. Yeah. No, no, they took me away. No, well, they, they took someone away. No, they towed us. Uh, they towed us back to my apartment. No, but he, Harry was stuck on the go. Uh, Angelo, remember we got back. We made it back here, or to the rehearsal space, wherever oh, that was. Oh, because that's when he was still living in Mountain View. And Harry was on the Golden Gate Bridge still. Oh. And he called us uh, like, "Hey, uh, I'm out here." And so it was. The show was a total train wreck. It took us tra- bleh, took us a ta- thousand years to get back. And then from Petaluma, it was like a couple hours. There was all sorts of, I don't remember what. It was a pain getting back. And then once we got back, Angelo and I got back, and he had to drive the whole way down to Monterey. Harry's like, yeah, I'm stuck out here on the Golden Gate Bridge, you know, way the hell out there. And we had to go pick him up. Oh, is that what happened? Do you remember that, Angelo? Yeah, vaguely, vaguely. And then drive the whole way uh, to Monterey, or you guys did. 
And I guess you drove me back to South America. I what? probably dropped him off in Mountain View and then went to Monterey yeah. after, yeah. In Mountain View. That yeah. sounds about right. Wow. Yeah, okay. What a night that was. Woo! Yeah, okay. Yeah, uh, good memories. Good, good yeah, memories, man. Yeah. I just want to go back to the Hard Worlder album. Oh, uh, yeah. The, you want to talk a, about Procol Harum? Yeah. No, I wanted no. to. I wanted to. I, wanted, I was trying to segue. There's a guy on YouTube who's doing an acoustic version of the Seawolf. Oh, really? Yeah, it's pretty cool. Yeah. How'd you find that? Um, random. I get these, like, Google notices that say, So like, if I oh, look up Slough Fake Seawolf, the random guy thing. Yeah, there's some random oh, dude just playing is acoustic. Is good at all? Or it's all right. I mean, it's, it's, I, yeah, it's cool that someone's doing it, you know. Yeah, I got to check yeah, it out. Yeah, that's cool. It's actually, it's a, it's a, it's a different, um, he does it in a way that I would have never thought. Really? Yeah, uh, it's just he just does like simple chords. Da, 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 da. Well, it is pretty much like that. I just dressed it with a bunch of weird, yeah, guitar like electric guitar things over. Yeah, it, and he just it. he just does the basic chords on the acoustic. Oh, that's what I would figure. It sounds yeah. cool. That's yeah, that's how it was written, I guess. Yeah. Is there even drums on? It? There are on some of it. And yeah. They, they're weird. They're like, yeah, there's drums on it. Yeah, yeah. yeah. A little strange. Um, but yeah, back to the Heart Roller album. You were well, talking about the Karmakazi. Oh, white sound. Okay, let's talk more about that. Yeah, about how politically naive I am and how, how uh, yeah, weapons of mass destruction. Yeah, how we got political for a second and it was a complete failure. But luckily, some people like it. Yeah. Anyway, um, no, the other, the other. It, it, I was going to say, were you inspired? I said, oh, I'm inspired about that song. You know, well, what? It actually was inspired by a Procol Harum song, but it's not going to do much good to talk about it. But because I don't remember the name of that song, but there's a Procol Harum song that goes. Burning runners, it is a very similar uh, cadence and, and melody that I didn't realize. Sometimes you write songs that you don't realize you're basically repeating something you've already heard, and then later you, you realize it. And you go, "Oh my God!" You know, and yeah. uh, oh it's yeah. funny because this is a song by Proko Harum that I need to figure out the name of. It's on a record I have at home. It was covered by Leo Kotke of all people. Is that a weird thing or what? Don't tell me you don't know who Leo Kotke is. You do, of course, right? Yeah, of course. Leo Kotke is one of the greatest guitar players ever, right? Acoustic, 12-string guy, country-ish guy. And he covered a Procol Harum song on one of his records. And that's when I first heard this song. And I didn't know it was a Procol Harum song until... Because he just does instrumental. No, no, he sings it. Oh, he sings it. But it's really weird, yeah. And uh, it's a strange-sounding thing. And uh, then I, heard, I, I got this Procol Harum album years and years, like 20 years later. And I was like, there's that Leo Kotke song. Oh, well, Procol Harum must have written it, you know. And then Kamikaze kind of sounds like it. I have to remember for next time what the hell the name of that song is. Um, huh. How good that does you. Yeah, to not know the name of the song. <laughs> We're really, sh really shooting from the hip today. Really, really got the full package going. Yeah, well, if we're going to continue with some political commentary. Oh, no. Uh, you're you're yeah, going to play yeah, like, uh, you know, like. Yeah, dig this uh, voice gonna, of God is government. You're going to play. Neighbors, no one loves you like he loves you. And no one cares like he cares. Neighbors, let us join today in the holy love of God and money. Because neighbors, no one loves you like he loves you. And what better way to show your love than to dig deep into your pockets. Dig real deep and give until it hurts. Alleviate your guilt. 
free yourself once again because she gave to you, brothers and sisters. Please give a 10, 25, or $50 tax deductible donation, and I assure you your modest pledge will be used to censor TV and radio, ban questionable books, and contribute to many other godly services. No longer will young Christian Americans hedonistically indulge in masochistic submission to rhythmic music, or with your monetary support, there is no end to what we can achieve in this country. The voice of God is government. The voice of God is government. The voice of God is government. In God's name, God! Can't you see what we believe in? Our thoughts and our reason, pursuit of life and liberty. Happy as we get our days, we just turn to the mighty voice of our desire, real choice. I am in the chains of love, sex and servant, one small block. The voice of God is government, the voice of God is government, the voice of God is government. We shun God in Jesus Christ, religious love is sacrifice. Love for God is shown cash. Don't accept him on trash. I repent the way we save our money. That's what God needs. Build a million dollar church. The money spent on God's search. Voice of God is government. Voice of God is government. Voice of God is government. Yeah, just kind of sticking with the theme. Yeah, man, this is one of my favorite albums. This is off the first uh, Bad Religion album, How Could Hell Be Any Worse? This is on Epitaph Records. Back when they had street cred or, or indie cred or whatever you call it. <laughs> they had just cred. Cred. Back when they had cred, when they man, had when cred, they, man. Before they sold out, man, and started sounding like Blink-182 or whatever the hell happened or to them. Or who do they sound like? They don't sound like Blink-182. They just sound like a more modern modern, modern version of themselves or now. Bobby Goldberg or whatever his name is from... Wait, what? <laughs> who's, the, who's the kid from... From uh, you know the king of pop punk, what the hell's his name? Bobby Goldberg. The king of pop. You know punk. the kid from Berkeley. He was famous. What is that band called? I seriously cannot. It's ridiculous. Green Day. Oh, uh, Billy Joe Armstrong. Billy, yeah, that guy. Yeah, I was gonna be like the king. Bobby Goldberg. Isn't that some singer songwriter from the '60s or something? I don't know. I'm trying to think of who would be the king of pop punk. Oh, it's him, undisputedly so, right? Really, I mean, you think well, so? Well, I mean, of the the when the pop punk mov- movement of the '90s, of the '90s, yeah, okay, he's the yeah, king, yeah, or late '80s, whatever he is. Yeah, man. definitely. All right, that's cool. Billy Joe, yeah, no, Billy but but Joe. what about? I I can't, you're I I'm, I mean I've been living here for 29 years and I have yet to encounter that guy. Well, that's because you live in San Francisco. No, that's ridiculous. He's I mean, in Berkeley. Gil- oh, yeah. That's why. I've never been over there. <laughs> I never go to Berkeley. <laughs> run into Jello Biafra a thousand times, and he's a lot more. But uh, he, li- he, li- he lives in San Francisco. 
but he for years he lived. Oh wait, you're right. Yeah, but uh, but I mean, <laughs> but that's yeah, wait, I lived in a Bur- Oakland. I've been to Berkeley. We played Berkeley. Uh, What's the place where Green Day came up? Gilman we Street. We played there a million times. You know, I just, I just never run into those guys. You know, there's a good documentary about that place that I think sure, um, yeah. that Green Day um, funded the documentary about yeah. it. It's pretty cool. Well, like, for a while, I was I had some good shows there, but yeah. uh, they, they had these ridiculous policies about like it was hilarious because the last time I played there was like in the either the late '90s, no, the early 2000s, maybe something like that. Like, and. Uh, the yeah, Halloween this thing show. They sent you if you played there. What? It was a Halloween show the last time we played there. Yeah, it was. Wasn't yeah, it, it was. We played w- Bark at the Moon. We played Bark at the Moon. Yeah. But r- before that, when Hammer's, Hammer's Misfortune was playing there, uh, they they sent us this thing. They all, you know, no misogynist, racist, or right, you know, right, the agreement, homophobic lyrics. And I'm like, great. Well, that's cool. Like whatever. Although, you know, I mean, at that point, they had hardcore and and a lot of black metal type of stuff playing there. And I'm like, look, that's great, but how the hell are you going to know? I mean, women are inferior. Blah, 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 I hate gays. Blah, blah, blah. You know, you're not going to know. So <laughs> it was, you could be up there. You could be saying all sorts of horrible, you know, uh, politically incorrect stuff, and they would never find out. So maybe that's why they had to write it out like that, because they realized they couldn't tell. You know, I don't know. Anyway. <laughs> yeah, I guess, you know, I guess they didn't get uh, – they didn't have screwdriver play there, I guess. Anyway. Yeah, definitely yeah, I guess that not. Ha- that probably didn't happen. No, definitely yeah. not. Or any number of other uh, bands who I can't think of any other at the moment. Uh, Corvus Corax or whatever the hell, you know, Nazi uh, uh, Nordic metal. And shit, you know. yeah, I, don't think they, I think they let Varg Vikernes, you know, the count. What was there? Was I think uh, they let him play there? There was a couple of other. Murders his um, friends. You know, right? trying to, I'm trying to think. I, you know, I I only saw. One of those like Nazi skinhead shows one time, when oh, uh, really? yeah, oh god I, I forget the name I of the band. I don't really saw any band that was blatantly Nazi. Well, it was blatant, man. Yeah, this I was, never. Yeah, saw this that, was yeah. blatant. I was in. Must have been in LA. It was in Orange County. Oh yeah, well, there you go. Yeah, it was in Orange <laughs> County. Um, I don't think I ever did actually see oh a band gosh. that was blatantly uh, Nazi or, or racist. Yeah, I only went one time, and it was. Um, yeah, I wouldn't be very. Into forget that. the name I of the band. I mean, there was the bands were really good. Supporting them in any way, you know. Well, I wanted to go see the bands. I was like, you know, but I, I mean, I knew that it was like, yeah. you know, going to be. So some it was a full-on Nazi skinhead. It band, was a like full-on Nazi skinhead wow. show. There was a bunch show. of. Show. Oh, yeah, wow. it was a show. There was like I mean, three or four bands. I've been to plenty of shows where there were Nazi skinheads present. Like I think I talked about it here, opening for Agnostic Front in right. like the '80s. Yeah, but not where the band was actually. This, you know. Yeah, uh, it was. Uh, it was pretty intense, man. Nazi it was stuff. just like. Punk. Were they saying Nazi stuff between songs? I don't remember, man. Who was it? Do you know the name? Oh God, I can't. They were popular at the time, but I mean, yeah. I was like 14 years old, 15 Orange years County old. Orange County is the place where you, yeah, yeah, yeah. you get that. Yeah. But, uh, hey, well, all right. Yeah. All right, yes. Lots of politics today. Lots yeah, of lots of politics. Naive poli- musician politics. We well, we're surrounded we're by uh, curious times. Hey, you want to hear something really weird? I talked to a guy this past weekend, because um, people were going nuts, right? Uh, of course. Who told me that the main, st- that, that, okay, he said, don't listen to the mainstream media because, you know, that it's all lies. Okay, well, obviously, <laughs> imagine that. Floor me with a feather, man. Anyway, but he, he, he told <laughs> me that, and I said, what? Gee, imagine that. Where are, you, where are you going with this? Okay, tell me something, you know. And he said, then he said this, which blew my mind. It was one of the coolest things I ever heard. He said, uh, Joe Biden is actually a hologram. 
which that actually is not as far-fetched as some of the other things. Like, you know, I mean, Joe, right? he kind of does look I like Max Headroom. Yeah. You know? He kind of looks like a hologram. And then he said, Obama and Hillary Clinton are... Um, the same. ...are either holograms or clones every time you see him. I said, clones? Okay, Barack Obama, when you see him on TV talking now, he's a clone. I said, well, wait, when did they clone him? Because he would have had to have grown... I mean, a clone is like a baby. You know, you make you can like make a baby. You know, and then it would you know it'd have to grow up. I don't know. Could they? They said they have ways to expedite the process. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so and I'm like, well, where did you hear this? Oh, and they don't believe the mainstream media. I said, well, wait. Why do you believe Donald Trump even exists, or ba- ba- or Barack Obama even exists? Isn't that because of the mainstream media? If it weren't the mainstream media, I yeah, wouldn't I've never seen him in my, my own exists. eyes. So should I say that Donald Trump doesn't really exist because the mainstream media tells me he does? I, I don't know. Where do you draw the line here? <laughs> you know, How, where are these Illuminazis that are controlling our minds right now? You know, that are having shows in Orange County. What, what's going on, man? What is happening? I in mean, this as world, Marvin Gaye once said, "What's going on?" He, he did say, "I that. don't know. I don't know who's running the country. If I only had a Pentagon, a Pentagon general as a friend, then I'd be okay." You know? Pentagon general. Pentagon, that's a that's a good Pentagon name for a general. song. Pentagon general. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, that's a good name. No Pentagon one knows who's running the country. Yeah, it's nobody knows. Here. Nobody knows. <laughs> All right, so this has been uh, episode 12, season one of Slough Radio. We're going to wind it out here with some more uh, NEO Morricone. Yeah. yeah, this is from uh, Fistful of Dollars, uh, released on United Artists. This you is from anybody from named uh, 1967. This is The Chase. Do you know anybody named Ennio? I don't know anyone named Ennio, no. One of the first jobs I got here was in the marina. It was in a deli, and there was some Italian guy named Ennio who ran the deli. He was the manager of the deli. You know, I worked there for like two days, and he fired me. What were you doing? He told me I wasn't a deli master. A deli <laughs> No, he said, he said, oh, you know, you got to be, you got to master this. You got to get, yeah. He's like, he said, we need someone a little bit sharper, a little quicker. You know, you're sitting there sort of just like looking like, you know, drooling and picking your nose, you know, whatever, whatever the problem was. <laughs> Awesome. Like twenty one, and I was just you like don't fit in the hung, marina, hung over or something. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> anyway, I was the only person I've ever met in person whose name is named Ennio. Ennio. Yeah. Huh. It's probably short for he something. He was a deli right? master. Yeah. He was a deli master. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Well, we're gonna sign off here and uh, with a quote. Good yeah, friend, like wise woman. Wise woman me told me, too. even though we're living in these crazy times and stuff like this, and uh, it feels kind of weird to be uh, doing playing records and talking trash about politics. Uh, a wise woman told me last week, she said, the comeback will be stronger than the setback. Oh.